So this is a poem. It's titled The Great Blue Heron of Dunbar Road by Ada Lamone. That we might walk out into the woods together and afterwards make toast in our socked feet, still damp from the fern's wet grasp, the spiky needles stuck to our legs. That's all I wanted. The dog in the mix jams sometimes, but not always. But somehow, I've stopped praising you. How the valley, when you first see it, the small roads back to your youth, is so painfully pretty at first. Then after a month of black coffee, it's just another place your bullish brain exists, bothered by itself and how hurtful human life can be. Isn't that how it is? You wake up some days full of crow and shine, and then someone has put engine coolant in the medicine on another continent and not even crying helps cure the idea of purposeful poison. What kind of woman am I? What kind of man? I'm thinking of the way my stepdad got sober, how he never told us, just stopped drinking and sat for a long time in the low folding chair on the Bermuda grass reading and sometimes soaking up the sun like he was the story's only subject. When he drove me to school, we decided it would be a good day if we saw the blue heron in the algae-covered pond next to the road, so, so that if we didn't see it, I'd be upset. Then he began to lie, to tell me he'd seen it when he hadn't, or to suppose that it had just taken off when we rounded the corner in the gray car that somehow still ran. And I would lie too, for him. I'd say I saw it heard the whoosh of wings over us. That's the real truth, what we told each other to help us through the day. The great blue heron was there even when the pond dried up or froze over. It was there because it had to be. Just now, I felt like I wanted to be alone for a long time in a folding chair on the lawn with all my private agonies. But then I saw you and the way you're hunching over your work like a puzzle. And I think even if I fail at everything, I still want to point out the heron like I was taught. Still want to slow the car down to see the thing that makes it all better, the invisible gift. What we see when we stare long enough into nothing. On Friday, as the West Coast sat in drought, it rained all day in Michigan. And by Saturday morning, we'd seen as much as seven inches of rain in some parts of Washtenaw County. And as I walked through the neighborhood on Saturday, I saw the evidence in many yards. Debris swept into the middle of grass, a hose snaked down a driveway toward the street, pumping out water soaked furniture on the curb for garbage pickup, repair vehicles in driveways. I learned yesterday evening that some neighbors had as much as three feet of water in their basements. And I live in a historically dry basement neighborhood, which is perhaps the technical term now for our world. Historically dry basements. Beloved. As I walked, I felt the weariness of wearing this new normal, this climate change normal, the normalization of impending doom in incremental, manageable personal tragedies. 
I considered the fixes for my relatively unscathed but soggy yard, a few trenches, a rain garden, and I could protect myself. And for what? To redirect the water onward downstream to the next neighbor? Self-protection was never what Jesus called us to. We rationalize these personal losses and look for fixes on our own properties, only to find once again, the problem is systemic and the biggest perpetrators are the wealthy and therefore the best position to buy themselves out of trouble. But since we are Anabaptists and killing billionaires is not a moral option for us, systemic change is what we are left with and what we are called to. On days like this, when the weight of personal burden outweighs the possibility of the collective fix, it is easy to become a paperweight for grief, to hold all the losses current and impending in the container of our own bodies until we are immobilized with holding. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. We can speak of today as a celebration of the time I have spent giving shape and direction to this community. But if we speak honestly, we also speak with grief the loss of some shape and direction, the letting down of hopes, the hard edges of change needling into our skin. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten of God. And that is the tool that we have the love-shaped hammer that makes every problem into a love-needing nail waiting for us to begin repair. What is left in the despair is just the love, the love that rouses us from bed in the night to soothe a crying child, the love that pushes us through the heat to fetch a glass of water for someone else, the love that gives and gives in hope that the single act of love will echo bigger than it is. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten of God and has knowledge of God. I think about the love that I've seen over the last three years that I've been at Shalom. Trevor, who hosted me in his home on one of my several visits to Ann Arbor before I was hired, and Susan, too, making space to get to know me. Terry and Ben, who in 2018 and knowing me for a matter of weeks, themselves newly moved to the area, generously lent me their mini fridge when my own full-size refrigerator died in the hot week of July that I moved into my condo. The pictures that I received on my first welcome Sunday to Shalom that Jackson and Cinda and Alyosha and others drew for me on magnets, which I still have. 
arriving in church midsummer in our preaching series on the Ten Commandments with one Jewish, one Muslim, one secular Chinese, and one Christian friend who had come to listen to me preach on adultery. Eric Bettis coming to my home to replace my toilet in the middle of a pandemic. Mary Miller bringing me some of her precious, freshly picked homegrown strawberries, completely unprompted. That hot first Sunday afternoon that we gathered at Greenwood with fans blowing to honor the life of Emily Ebbett. Dave Crasson standing in my garage and sanding cupboards for hours so that I could repaint my kitchen in the color that I wanted. Alyosha reading aloud the stories that she wrote on Creative Thursdays. Rebecca and Mark arriving at my door on Halloween dressed as Cruella DeVille and a Dalmatian puppy with masks to match to bring me a treat basket. The look that Sammy Friedline gave the camera while recording one of his musical numbers, right before he reached for the pedals, grinning a watch this at us as he scooted down the piano bench to stretch his foot to the pedal. Eating barbecue in Kansas City with Joe Gasho and the youth group while they made friends with the musician who was offering live music in the restaurant. And eventually, Johan joined him on stage for a duet. Layla gifting me her spider catcher jar when I stopped by her house to say hello. Dropping by Jackson's house on a particularly hot walk with my dog while Brad and Jackson fetched water for my tired puppy. John Tenza showing up on Zoom one Sunday after I'd asked him to sell my condo without my saying anything about Shalom and offering such genuine and effusive enthusiasm to be here. John Powell's regular insistent emails just to check in with the pastors and ask us, how are you doing? And then saying, no, really. How are you doing? Nelson and Ruth, Laura Brubaker, Eric, and others joining me on my birthday last year to cut back invasive plants growing in Bird Hills Park. So many other moments that we've spent together in the last three years that I will treasure. Spontaneous, joyful gestures of care that are so natural to this community and such a sign of flourishing. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten of God and has knowledge of God. Those who do not love have known nothing of God. For God is love. God's love was revealed in our midst in this way, by sending Christ Jesus into the world that we might have faith through Christ. Love then consists in this, 
Not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us and has sent Christ Jesus to accompany us in all our sins. Beloved, if God has so loved us, let us have the same love for one another. No one has ever seen God. Yet if we love one another, God dwells in us and God's love is brought to perfection in us. In Jeremiah 31, the Bible says, the people will look to each other and say, God appeared to us in the past and said, in everlasting love, I conceived you. And now I will continue to show my love for you. I will build you up again and you will stand firm, beloved. It is hard to be left by a pastor and it is easy to count your failures as individuals and as an organization. And if I could say to you one thing, it would be don't. Pastoring is not for the faint of heart, even in the best of churches. It is only for the courageous of heart if they have many external supports and healthy practices built in. And even then, that does not mean necessarily that it is meant to be done for a long time. I am increasingly compelled toward the theory that pastoring is not something that we need more young people to commit careers to, but that we need more creative people in the midst of pursuing their many vocations to devote a few years to. Perhaps there is something in the old Mennonite tradition of drawing straws annually to select who will be the pastor. And I want the search committee to do their work. But if they land on that particular process, maybe there's something to the drawing straws approach. Nor is pastoring something that we nurture in others until it sparks and then trust the flame to sustain itself. Pastoring is fluid, shifting, and prone to happen to lay people no matter how stubbornly and easily they put their feet in their mouths. As the Apostle Paul says, be careful then for in entertaining each other, you may be entertaining pastors unawares. Beloved, my last and final word to you from this pulpit, which has some weight of holiness, even though it is just me sitting on a yoga ball and Shalom has always been a very informal congregation. The last word that I have for you while I stand in the power of my ordination is that you love one another. Even when, as Taylor Swift says, it's wrong or it's hard or we're making mistakes. In that particular song, she sings, I want your midnights, but I'll be cleaning up bottles with you on New Year's Day. And that is the kind of community that Shalom is, who will show up for the midnight popping of the champagne cork and stay to clean up the bottles into the early morning. The bottles or the toilets or the dust from the sander, 
the community that will stay till the work is done. Love one another with the kind of love that means pointing out the great blue heron that you don't see, that you trust is there, the good omen that will get the person beside you through their own private agonies. This is the third time by my count that we've read this poem by Ada Limon in church. And I hope now that some line of it is written on your hearts and that perhaps a few more lines of scripture are written on your hearts now than when I started three years ago. Even if they are lines like, your hair is a flock of young goats, black ones bounding down from a mountain. My friend Alyssa Bennett-Smith, who is starting an Anabaptist-minded community in Missouri, said this week that there are only four steps in how to share the gospel. One, make friends. Two, throw parties. Three, give gifts. Four, tell stories. Now, I might disagree with Alyssa and add that there is a fifth element, make music, which is also essential. But being church, spreading the gospel is as simple as that. When I think about the challenges ahead, which we know are coming, when I think about what I hope for Shalom, this is my prayer for you. Make friends, throw parties, give gifts, tell stories. Of course, I'll be back in a few months and I know with certainty that I have more friends to make, more parties to throw, more gifts to give, and always more stories to tell. But I hope that you'll be doing these things too in the meantime. Don't wait for me or any other pastor or any other magic to appear. Just go along doing these things and the magic will follow. When you are lost as an individual or collectively as a church, go back to this list and do one of these things. Make friends, throw parties, give gifts, tell stories. And if you can do these four things and make music besides, you will be just fine. The leaders will emerge, the community will thrive, the love will grow among you. Beloved.